Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bibles, turn with me this morning, if you would, to the second book uh, of the Old Testament. Going to go to the first chapter. It's found in Exodus, Exodus chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read verses 8 all the way to chapter 2, verse 10, as uh, we start our Passion for the House series. Now, why are we talking about Passion for the House, and what is Passion for the House? Um, What we're talking about is Passion for the Church. Now, if you're new to Canvas Church, like so many people are, and you heard Pastor Steve come up here this morning and uh, mention, you know, welcome uh, to the house of God, you might be like, whoa, God lives here? Sort of, uh, because the Bible says wherever two or three gather together in his name, there he is. And so, yes, because we came together as the church, the presence of God is here. Uh, but what we're simply saying is, hey, welcome to church, all right? When we talk about the house of God, we're talking about the church. And so as we're talking about passion for the house over the next several weeks, we're talking about having a passion for the church. Uh, what is the church? Uh, if you look at the Bible term there, the Bible term is ecclesia. What is ecclesia? It's called out ones or more importantly called together ones, an assembly um, of people after the same, pers- uh, same thing. They're pursuing the same passion. And, uh, and so that's the church. We're talking about us. We're not talking about a building, um, but we are talking about a gathering uh, because uh, I believe, according to Scripture, it's impossible for you to be the church all by yourself. Uh, we are the church together, called together, uh, under the same passion, heading in the same direction. And so we're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. But let me just um, uh, clarify this. Why am I so passionate about the church? More importantly, why are the people of Canvas so passionate about the church or passionate about the house? Uh, Well, very simply for me, it's this, is that I see in Scripture that Jesus was passionate about the church. And whatever Jesus is passionate about, how many guys think we should be passionate about that as well? Two of you, all right. We're going somewhere. Uh, we should be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. Matter of fact, uh, there's a pretty interesting passage in John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, we see that Jesus has actually come to the temple uh, where worship would take place. And in John chapter 2, he walks in and he sees some things that he don't like, uh, some things that are happening. And, uh, and, uh, and he takes care of it. And uh, with so much zeal and so much passion that his disciples are looking at him like, whoa, what just happened to Jesus? And uh, the scripture says, and they were reminded that it said of him that a passion or a zeal for his house will consume him. And so he got very passionate about his church. As a matter of fact, uh, he's so passionate about what he's building. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19 says that he is building his church in which the gates of hell will not prevail against. Jesus is passionate about what he is building. He is building his church. He's building his house. He invites us in to be a part of that. Whatever Jesus is passionate about, you and I should be passionate about as well. Are you with me this morning? Jesus is passionate. I want to be passionate about it. The other reason I'm passionate about it is because uh, he's calling it our house. It's not just he's building it. He's invited us in to the process of building his house. And uh, so, man, here at Canvas Church, man, we've come to this place of, of great passion. When people get passionate about what God is doing and get involved, incredible things happen. I want to read that again. It's in your notes. You can fill in the blank if you want. It says, when people get passionate about what God is doing and get involved, incredible things happen. I'm telling you right now, you discover what God is doing, and I'll tell you what he's doing, he's building his church. And uh, man, you get passionate about that, and not only passionate, but you get involved in that, I'm telling you right now, incredible things begin to happen. We're going to see a little bit of that today um, in, in the context of our passage. In this series passion for the house, we'll discover that the church is a place of provision, a place for people, I mean, I was glad you're here this morning, okay, a place for people, a place for God's presence. Come on, how many of you guys like being in the presence of God? Now, I don't know about you, but man, during worship, I felt the presence of God this morning. Um, I mean, it was here in a powerful way. Um, I'm so thankful for an incredible worship team that knows how to dive in and and begin to help usher us into the presence of God. Uh, I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, that, man, you can probably get better preaching on a podcast. You can probably get even some better sounding music on a podcast. 
But I'm telling you right now, there's one thing you can never get by staying home and podcasting something and watching something on TV, and that is this right here. That is the church coming together, and wherever two or three are gathered together, he's there, and that's the presence of God. Are you with me this morning? Something powerful about community, and you're going to discover through this series that as we're passionate about the house, it's a place of God's presence, and I love this one. I can't wait to get to it in our series. Um, Man, the church is a place for the possible. Man, the church, being together as the church is a place for the possible. Exodus chapter one, we're gonna start in verse eight. We're gonna read to, uh, through chapter two, verse, verse 10. Uh, but how many of you guys believe it's a good thing to get the Bible in church? Yeah. All right, come on, we're gonna do that. Let me give you the context. Here's the context as we jump in uh, to verse eight of chapter one. We're gonna be reading about uh, a, a baby boy named Moses. We're gonna read a little bit about his mom. The context surrounding it is this, is that many years before, um, there was a a family, uh, eventually becomes the Israelite nation, and there was a famine in the land, and this family was experiencing that famine. And so um, they're looking for provision, they're looking for safety, they're looking for refuge. Eventually, through a long series of events, uh, one of the sons, uh, Joseph, helps lead his family and really the children of Israel into the Egypt where they find that refuge and they find that provision and they find that safety and security. Egyptians invite them in, they're living there. Man, years go by, lots of years go by. What happens is as these years go by, as uh, eventually the generations begin to forget about who Joseph is and forget about the fact that they invited him in, all right? And what happens is, is now there's a new ruler on the scene, and uh, he doesn't remember Joseph, and he doesn't remember that invitation. He looks around, and he's looking at all the, uh, the Hebrews and saying, man, they look like a mighty nation. This might not go so well for us Egyptians, okay? That's the context. Here we are, uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. And it says, a new king who had not known Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, look. The Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Let us deal shrewdly with them, otherwise they will multiply further. And if war breaks out, they may join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pythium and Ramses, as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly, made their lives bitter with difficult labor and brick and mortar. And in all kinds of field work, they ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. I want to pause there for a moment because to understand the full context of the message today, you need to understand this. What's happening is, is God has provided a place of refuge and safety for the Israelites. Now that place of safety and refuge is now turning against them and saying, hold on a second, they're, they're, there's, there's, there's something here. They're, they're numerous, there's a lot of them, and they, they get scared, okay? Now in the Old Testament, there is this idea of what takes place in the Old Testament is often typology of what takes place in the New Testament, okay? It foreshadows something. What's being foreshadowed here right now is the children of Israel, God's people, New Testament Christians, believers, okay? Egypt is now representative of the world, and the world is now trying to oppress the Christians. Are you with me? Okay, so that's what's taking place uh, and happening here. So they imposed all this work on them. Verse 15. Then the king, king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named that person and the other that person, which just simply means your pastor don't know how to say the words. When you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him, but if it's a daughter, she may live. So now this just took it to a whole new level. We're not just oppressing, but we're trying to take out a whole entire generation, okay? The Hebrew midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this and let the boys live? 
The midwives said to Pharaoh, the Hebrew women are, are not like the Egyptian women. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? Come on, come on. The women in the church aren't like the women of the world. All the women said? Come on, where are you at, church? You here with me? Am I, am I preaching to somebody? Okay. What verse am I on? The midwife said, uh, the midwife said that the Hebrew women, they're not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before a midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Verse 22, Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. Now we just took this up another level. We're not trying to stop life before it comes into the world, saying, hey, even when life gets here, we're going to take it out. We're going to drown it. We're going to throw it in the water. We're going to get rid of it, all right? Remember, that's the world trying to take out a generation. Are you with me this morning? Okay. Throw them in the Nile. Drown them. Get rid of them. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she saw, man, the beauty of this child, the potential of this child, the promise of this child, the purpose of this child. She hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. Some of your, your translations might say that, that she put him in an ark. Ark. Anybody ever heard the word ark in the Bible before? Right? Uh, what you might not know is there's actually two references to arks in the Bible. The first one is a little more popular to this one, and it's, it's Noah's ark. Anybody ever heard of Noah's ark? Yeah? All right? Noah's ark in Bible is, is, is going back into the book of Genesis Man, man, the wrath of God is hot against humanity, and he searches throughout all humanity, and he finds one righteous person. His name is Noah, and so he commands Noah to build an ark. Noah doesn't know what an ark is, but he goes out with the plans, and he begins to build this big boat, right, known as the ark. Man, him and his family get in when the wrath of God is poured out through a way of a flood, and anybody inside of the ark survives, anybody on the outside of the ark dies. Are you with me? Okay. What was this ark represented of? Here we are again, foreshadowing typology. An ark in the Old Testament is typology of the church in the New Testament. Okay. So you can think of it this way, that anybody that was in the ark, anybody that was in the church was saved from the wrath that was coming. Okay. In this context now, Moses is not being saved from the wrath that is coming from God, but in context, he's being saved from the world. Okay, now listen to me. If the ark is representative of the church, and in the Old Testament the ark spared the, uh, the, the Noah's family, and now the ark is sparing Moses, listen to me, you gotta hear this now. Listen, the church, man, is a place of safety, it's a place of refuge, it's a place of hope, it's a place of salvation, it's a place of provision. It's a, are you with me this morning? The church doesn't save you, you only get saved. Only go to him through who? Jesus. The church doesn't save you, but the church will help keep you saved. You with me? Here he is. The mama sees how beautiful her boy is. She sees not only how beautiful her boy is, but then she sees what's happening to all of the other children as they're being thrown into the river. She says, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that to mine. I'm gonna build something for my child that doesn't take him out of the river, but causes him to rise above that which is killing his generation. She placed the child in it, set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile where her servant girls walked along the riverbank, seeing the basket among the reeds, she sent her slave girl to get it, and when she opened it, she saw a child, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and call a woman? That's <laughs> such a brilliant plan. From the Hebrews to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughters told her, so the girl the sister of the boy in the basket, 
went to mom. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and became her son, and she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. A passionate mom who saw the beauty of her child said, I'm not going to let my child become like these other child. She built something for him to spare his life. I want to talk to you for the next few moments about the power of one. God, we thank you so much, God, for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is amazing. I pray for the next few moments that, Lord, you would speak to us in this place. God, that a passion would rise up inside of us for the thing that you're passionate about, your church. That, God, when this thing wraps up today and over the next several weeks, God, that we would have a new passion. God, to build alongside of you. Lord, I pray you'd help me now the next few moments to create an environment for people to encounter your son Jesus, know your love, and realize the incredible plan you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. I remember when uh, I first jumped into ministry, and uh, man, some of my friends, uh, Paige and Casey Bombasi, who are a part of the church, and uh, man, they remember going way back with us, way back in that day when we jumped into full-time ministry, uh, youth ministry, and uh, man, in youth ministry, uh, man, I was passionate. I was passionate about, man, what was going on in the lives of young people, and seeing young people transformed by the goodness of God, and seeing them plugged into church, and seeing them growing up knowing Jesus, and that passion uh, really has followed me all my life, man. Every, every ministry opportunity I've had, I've been passionate about it. Um, I'll never forget when we first started this church. Um, we were just probably maybe a couple months into it, and uh, now the people that were a part of the church were starting to invite their friends. How do you know that, man, church gets good when you start inviting your friends to it, right? Man, it's like, it's like that restaurant. You don't just invite your friends out to eat at any restaurant, right? When you're inviting your friends to eat, you take them to a restaurant that you know they're going to have a good meal, right? And so we were in that season of the church where, okay, people had participated for a while. They're checking it out. Okay, pastor's not strange. Uh, worship team is good. All right, they got a children's ministry. Right, I feel safe actually dropping them off at children's ministry. I pick them up. They actually have smiles on their faces, Right? Um, and so we were in that season, and so they're starting to invite people, and I'll never forget this one. We're like three or four months in, and uh, the, you know, there's some new people there, and we were at that size where you knew when a new person walked through the doors, right? It just, you know, we didn't need to give them bags to help identify who the new people were. Oh, I just let our secret out. All right. You just knew when they walked the door, like, oh, that's a new person, right? And so I remember going up, talking to the person that brought this individual, and then I turned to the new person. I was like, hey, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks. A little standoffish. And I'm like, okay. I said, so what'd you think of today? And they're like, oh, it was all right. I'm like, oh, okay, well, what didn't you like about it? He goes, well, to be honest with you, you're a little too excited. I'm like, what? It literally took me back. I'm like, what do you mean I'm too excited? Yeah, yeah, when you're up there, I don't know. Like, why can't you just read the word and just teach? You're just a little too excited, a little too passionate. I'm like, wow. Excuse me for being excited about the greatest message on the planet. Excuse me for preaching the gospel with passion because I know that there is a real hell and there is a real heaven. And then if people don't know Jesus and they're not introduced to Jesus, they're on a pathway towards hell, which is probably where you're going. They're on a pathway to hell. <laughs> Excuse me for being a little bit excited about the opportunity to share my faith and my joy for Jesus, the way, the truth, the life that no one gets to the Father except through him. And I was passionate, much like I am now, but you can ask my wife anything. Listen, I learned a long time ago, if it's worth doing, it's worth being passionate about. Are you with me? And so, yes, man, this passion that you see up here, the passion that you see in our teams. Listen, I love our ministry teams here at Canvas Church. Because when I see our ministry teams, man, people serving at New Here, or people serving in the children's, and I walk by, it's my favorite thing to do on Sunday. Walk around and see our ministry team serving. They got the little lanyard on, and I'm like, here's why it's so exciting for me, because I realize now that they've got passion for the house as well. They're so excited to get here and to serve and be a part of because here's what they discovered at Canvas Church. At Canvas Church, we care more about the purpose than we do about the product. Listen to me. We are not trying to get people involved so they can drive a product. We're not trying to get people involved so all of a sudden we can have more people doing lights and cameras and, 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 and kids and all this. No, no, no. We're about the purpose. 
And I'm telling you right now, these people have discovered purpose as they've gotten involved. And that's what we're about. That's why our, even our statement is we want people to encounter Jesus. We want them to know the love of God, but we want to help them discover the plan that God has for their life. Man, you discover the plan when you are involved in purpose. But all of a sudden, here, listen to me. We don't invite people onto the worship team because we need more people on the worship team. Because we need them to play an instrument. We invite people onto the worship team because God has put a purpose inside of them. And we want that purpose to come out of them and be a blessing to the whole entire community. We don't try to get people involved in children's ministry because we're trying to have a great children's program. We have a great children's program because we teach Jesus. Now we're trying to get people involved because God has gifted them and when they start getting involved, all of a sudden they discover their purpose and realize, man, this is amazing. And we're passionate about what God is doing in the church. And I want you to know right now, man, there is power in the passion of one. It just starts with one. Listen to me, long before this church existed, there was a couple with two little kids that had a dream in their heart that said, man, God's calling us to San Diego to start a church. And before yet one person even showed up, we had a passion that was driving us. And that passion, man, caused us to launch this church. And all of a sudden, some people started to come and we were like blown away. Why would anyone come? And then more people started coming, and more people started coming, and more people started coming, more people started coming. But listen to me, listen, I, you got to know this, everything God does can start with one passionate person. Everything God does, listen, listen, what God does starts with one. Out of Adam came the woman, came the children, right? Out of this man, see, here's the thing, when you, when you think about the life of Moses, the first story that comes to mind probably isn't Moses in the ark floating down the Nile. The first one that comes to mind is probably Moses standing in front of Pharaoh saying, let my people go. Or maybe it's that epic story where Moses, I think it's chapter 14 of, of, of Exodus, Moses is fleeing Egypt now with all of the people and man, the Egyptians are trying to destroy them and kill them and they come and now the Red Sea's in front of them, the Egyptians are behind them and they're like, what are we gonna do? And they all look at Moses and Moses like looks at God and then God looks at Moses and then Moses looks at God and God looks at Moses. And finally, he's like, Moses, what are you going to do about it? Moses lifts up his staff, and all of a sudden, the water separates, and they go through on dry ground, and then they look back, and they're like, this to the Egyptians? Egyptians come in, water closes, they all die. Right? Moses, out of one, he led these people out. But we probably don't, we don't think about this story. Because before there was ever that epic moment where Moses was standing before Pharaoh, before there was that ever that epic moment where Moses was standing at the Red Sea, before there was that ever that epic moment, Exodus chapter 33, where God and Moses are having this conversation, and God is saying to Moses, Moses, man, I'm going to take you somewhere. And Moses says, God, unless your presence goes with us, we don't want to go. Before there was ever any one of those moments, there was a passionate mom who took time to build an ark that would spare her son so that her son one day could live in his purpose. The ark, the church. The ark, the church. The ark, the church. If we just get one passionate person that says, I'm gonna help build the church. Listen to me, I said already, the church isn't a building. The church is people. When all of a sudden the fabric of the people come together and say, I'm passionate about what God is doing. When all of a sudden these people look and they see the devastation around them as babies are being dropped in the Nile, being drowned, losing their life. And this mom sees that and says, no, 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 there's got to be another way. And she finds another way and she builds the ark. Listen to me. It might not be a river that is drowning your culture and drowning your generation, but there is something there that is taking them out. It might be suicide. It might be depression. It might be anxiety. It might be some whatever it is. It's trying to take them out, but there's still an answer today, and it is the church of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, but just like the ark, listen, the ark did not take them out of, Moses out of the Nile. The ark caused Moses to float above that which was taking his generation out. The church is in the culture. The church is right there, but the church begins to lift up a generation, begins to lift up a people so that what's taking out their generation won't take them out. How does it happen? It happens through community. 
It happens through people coming together saying, I'm going to build the church. And all of a sudden, now one comes in with anxiety on their life, and that's what's trying to take them out. All of a sudden, they get surrounded by the church. And the church says, we got you on this, man. When we're going to cover you, we're going to pick you up. And that thing that's trying to take you out, you're going to rise above that in Jesus' mighty name. See, what is it for you? What is it for the people around you? What's trying to take them out? What is it? In Moses' day, it was was an edict that went out and said, man, throw them in the Nile. Said, no, we're going to build the ark, the church, and it's going to spare this child. What is it that's coming against your generation? Are you passionate about building the church? Are you passionate about coming together so that people in your generation, listen, I, I have two young daughters. They're both in high school. I hear stories all the time. But it's not just the younger. What about you? What's happening in your world? What's happening? What's trying to take you out? And the church comes together. Are you with me? And begins to lift up and says, man, I know that there's a real river there. But you're going you're to be in that river, son. But you're going to be protected. And you're going to be shielded. And you're going to be comforted. And you're going to be okay. Because you're in the church. Because you're in the church. Say, so, Pastor, what, what, what does that mean to me? How, how, how do I begin with this passion? How does this passion begin? Uh, let, let's just look at the scripture, right? How, how does this passion begin? I'm just going to give you two simple thoughts with about 40 different thoughts in each one. <laughs> how, does this, how does this start? I, mean, I can't help but think if one passionate woman, man, one passionate person, what if all of us came together with our passion and what the church could do? Are you with me? So where does it start? Number one, it starts, see the beauty in people. See the beauty in people. The Bible says that she looked at her son and saw that he was beautiful. Saw that he was beautiful. Now I know you're sitting there and saying, Pastor, what parent doesn't think their child is beautiful when they're born? Good point. But let's be honest. If we're really truthful in this place, we've all seen an ugly baby before. (laughs) Now you would never say that to the parents. Right, as they're holding their baby and they're like, oh, look at my baby, so beautiful. Like, yeah. <laughs> Am I being too real? Okay, if we're, if we're totally honest, and as a parent, that child, like, oh my gosh, so beautiful. And now that your child has grown and is truly beautiful, if you're really honest, you can look back at those baby kids, baby picture and be like, our child was not beautiful. <laughs> now, you never tell the child that, but if we're honest, right? But there's no parent that, but listen to me. She saw something. She saw something in her child. Yes, the beauty. But I believe it was more than just the physical beauty. She's looking and seeing all these other boys being drowned, and she sees something about her child that says, no. No, 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 no. I got to build something for why, because she saw the beauty. And listen to me. If we begin to see the beauty in people, it will change the way you build the church. If you see the beauty in humanity, the beauty in people, it will cause passion to rise up inside of you. Absolutely. We know Jesus was passionate about the church. Remember, Jesus only sees the beauty in people. For God so loves the world. Listen, think about this one. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? It was humanity. It was people. He was able to look at the wickedness and sin in people's lives, but he was willing to look past that and say, man, if I go and I die on the cross, there is joy on the other side, and the joy is that they have salvation. They have redemption. They have healing. They have purpose. They have hope. And for that joy, he says, I'll go. I'll go. He saw the beauty in people. Listen to if we can see the beauty in people, but here's the reality of John 3.16. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The problem is, is that if we're honest, we read it this way, for God so loved me that he gave his only son. God so loved me. I get it. Thank you, God, for dying for me. Man, I'm so glad you saved me. 
But you know what it says? If God so loved the world, the world, the one person right now that you despise, the one person right now that has offended you, the one person right now that you don't even want to talk to and you could care less if you ever talk to them again, the homeless person on the street that you're tired of picking up their trash, the drug addict, for God so loved them and he doesn't love you any more than he loves them. The problem is, is man, we, we've, we've have a pretty selfish gospel, if we're honest. For God so loved me, I'm so glad he loves me. But what about them? What about them? See the beauty in people, the potential, the promise, the purpose. Look beyond the dysfunction. Look beyond what they're living in. Look beyond what they're going through. And I know I've been there before. I've been, I've been in that judgmental place. I can't even believe they're living like that. Yeah, it's the choices, the choices they made. They, they, they made that choice. No, the, the choice was the fruit of a root. The choice was just a product of something deeper that's happening in their life. But because God, for God so loved me, God, I can't believe the choices they made. Jeez, how could you live like that? Why don't we stop long enough to see the beauty in humanity and have a conversation and find out what's behind it? And, and aren't you glad that you didn't end up like that based on your stupid choices? We had an opportunity to, to share God's love with a young man yesterday. Where at first we were frustrated with what was going on but we reached past that moment. It was, it was easy to look at him, 22, 23 years old, saying, man, what a waste. Why is he making those decisions, those choices? And man, as God began to work on our heart, we went, and, we went and literally sought out the young man that we had kicked off our property. We went and sought him out, we gotta we got find him. As we pull up and we begin a conversation, here he is on meth, on heroin. He breaks down and he says, I, I hate myself. And in that moment, my wife reaches through the window of our car, grabs his shoulder, and some of you might not know my wife's testimony, but says, I was you 20-something years ago. And let me tell you, it leads nowhere good. And he just breaks down and starts crying opens up, begins to share. Say, well, I, I was so intimidated by your husband. <laughs> Is it the beard? The reason I was intimidated by him is because I never have had a father in my life. Root, fruit. But we so jump to conclusions, don't we? But if we could just pause and say, man, there's beauty in there. There's beauty in there. There's beauty in there. There's beauty in there. See the beauty in humanity. What, what do you see when you see people? Oh, pastor, I love the church. I'm great. No, I'm not talking about here. Maybe I am talking about here. <laughs> what do you see when you see people? Are you judgmental? Quick to come to a, a verdict of their life? Because ladies and gentlemen, they are drowning in the Nile. They are drowning in the river. And they're just waiting for somebody with some passion to say, hey man, I got you. I got you. We're going we're gonna to get you up out of this thing. And we're going to help you get to the purposes and the plan that God has for you. Lastly, see the beauty in people, but lastly, take action. Take action. 
The mama didn't just look at the beauty of her son and be like, oh my gosh, this is so tragic. It's been a great three months, son. She took action. How did she take action? By doing something. She took action by using what she had. By using what she had. What did she have? She found a basket, and for some reason, she knew if she covered it with asphalt and pitch that it would float. Why is that? Because for many years now, the Egyptians had been taskmasters over them, teaching them how to make bricks, teaching them how to make mortar, teaching them how to make baskets, teaching them how to make all of these things. And so what the devil meant for evil and destruction and, 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 and suppression, all of a sudden she looks and says, you know what? I learned a skill over the last few years. I learned how to do something, and I'm gonna take what the devil meant for evil, and I'm gonna turn it for good, and I'm gonna use my experience, I'm gonna use my testimony, I'm gonna use what's been going on in my life, which seemed oppressive and seemed destructive and seem like there's no way out, but now I have an opportunity to use what I've learned and use what I've been through to build the church, to build the basket, to build something that's going to keep this generation from dying. Somebody with me today. She looked at what she has. She goes, what I have is I got a testimony. What I have is I, I know how to build this thing that floats because of all the oppression I've been under, because of all the taskmasters that have been over me. I, I've got some experience now. See, some of us, we look at our life, we think, I got nothing to offer. Listen to me, you got everything to offer. Now, Pastor, you don't know where I've been. Listen to me. Had my wife never had the experience she had, as destructive as it was in her life, she would have never been able to reach the way she did through that window and touch that young man the way she touched him. And listen to me, you don't have to have that testimony to be involved in building the church. You don't have to have some destructive testimony. And you can have a testimony that says, man, I've never touched drugs in my life. Listen to me, yesterday was the closest I've ever come to drugs. And I don't mean using them. But listen to me, what is your testimony? She uses what was happening in her world, and she said, I'm gonna build something. She finds a basket, and she finds some asphalt, and she finds some pitch. She said, that'll work. That'll work. What about you? What's your story? What's your testimony? I'm telling you right now, God is saying, listen, this, this young man, looked at the, Katie invited him to church, prayed for him, we bought him some food. He said, listen, you need to be at church tomorrow. No, I can't come to church. I gotta wait until I get... Right. Oh. No, let us help float you above what is trying to destroy you and get you to Jesus. Get you to take action. Say, Pastor, what do I have to give? Well, testimony, but let me just give you four really easy things that you'll be like, really? How many give you five more minutes? Five more minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20. You guys fall for it every time, all right? So, what, what, what can you do? First, it's in your, it's in your notes. You're able to attend. What? Yeah, yeah. You're able to come to church. No, I'm not. Well, you're here now. You're able to attend. Yeah, but what, 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 what you know, me attending, what does that really do? It does everything. Because listen to me, if you attend, the reality is you're either in one of two places, maybe somewhere in the middle, but not usually. You're in one of two places. One, man, you are like super passionate about the church. Come on, I got the lanyard. I'm serving. I'm excited. Man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Man, let's go. Let's see what God does. And you're super passionate. By you attending and your passion, all of a sudden it gets around somebody that's not so passionate. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been around an energy drainer before? You're like, yeah, one time, and I never hung out with them again, right? No, but, like, but everyone wants to be around someone that's like, wow, like, wow, you're fun. Why are you so excited? Jesus, awesome, me too, all of a sudden, right? Like, man, you just showing up with some passion on your life. Like, man, this is like, all right, I'm gonna love Jesus. Man, it changes the environment, it changes the atmosphere. Not only that, why do we want you to attend? You just want more people at church. Absolutely, I want more people at church. Unashamedly, I want more people at Canvas Church. Why? Because I get more people at Canvas Church, that little, ark that could hold one, can now hold two, can now hold three, can now hold four, can now hold five, can now hold six, can now hold seven. Are you with me? The ministry team we have now can minister to 500. What if we doubled the ministry team? Now we can minister to 1,000. 
Yes, I want more people unashamedly at Canvas Church. I want every seat filled. We have 340, 363 chairs, like the one you're sitting in. I want all 363 chairs set up in this church with butts in every single one of them. <laughs> unashamedly. Because the church is people. And the more people we have, the bigger our reach is. The bigger our reach is, the more influence we have. By you attending, you absolutely are making an impact. You're absolutely making an impact. Good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I like it. Not only that, do you know if I just showed up here? I'm not the church. But the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there his presence is. I want his presence to show up. I, mean, I think about it this way, and I could be wrong. I'll figure the math out when we get to heaven. But if two or three are gathered together, his presence is, what about two or three or hundred are gathered together? Wow. And just show up. Just show up. Just be here. Next, you're able to bring people. Be a bringer of people. See, there you go. You just want more people. Yes. I do. Because there's people that need to know Jesus. Bring them. And there's people that know how to bring Jesus to people. Bring them. I want the ark to grow so that we can reach more people. You can bring people. Next week, try it. Try it. Just invite one person. Don't invite, you know, if you want to invite 400, great. But just invite one. Say, man, you can ride with me. I'll take you out to lunch afterwards because we're, we're serving lunch. <laughs> so it's not going to cost you anything. Be like, hey, lunch is on me next week. You come to church. Right? You bring them. What are we having? Tacos, awesome. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of my closest friends there. It's going to be great. Just bring them. Just try it. Just try it. Or you, or you can do the stealth mode and just get one of our little door knockers, hangers. Just do stealth mode. If you're like, I don't know, I'm kind of scared, just pop that on there. Pretty easy. Bite somebody. Bring somebody. Get somebody to church. You know what? I, I am in ministry today because somebody invited me to church. I was already a Christian, kind of going to church here and there, in a parking lot in Bellevue, Washington, at a blockbuster video. You don't know what that is, unless you're 40 or over. I get it. All the young people are like, huh, huh, it's blockbuster. Um, walking out of blockbuster video, a guy says, hey, you should come to church with me. Where's that? We meet right here. At Blockbuster? No, above Blockbuster. I'm like, oh. I show up. I show up. I meet a pastor there. The pastor looks at me. says, man, I think God's calling you to ministry. I'm like, yes? Yeah, I think so. I'm in ministry today because of an invitation. My wife saved today because of an invitation to church. Invite somebody. Worship team, come on up because you guys always help me close. Matter of fact, sometimes they're my Q2 clothes. I love it. Sometimes I don't even know what time it is, and they're like, dude, football, hello. Don't want to miss all the games today. And then they come up, they start playing, like, oh, yeah, it should be done. Isn't our worship team awesome? Come on. Are you getting anything out of this today? Let me give you two last things as the band starts to play. What else can you do? You're able to serve. Serve, not surf. You're able to serve. Pastor, what happens when I serve? I'll tell you what happens when you serve. Now we continue to build that ark, make more room for people. You're able to serve. I love this, I love this passage, 1 Chronicles 29. It's talking about the building of the temple, the building of the church, if you will. 1 Chronicles 29, it talks about how every single person brought their own unique gift brought their own unique gift, and as they brought their gift, man, the thing was built. What happens if you don't, listen, what happens if, if just one is doing something? And now all of a sudden we all come together. You with me? We all come together. You know what makes, you know what makes this, this so powerful and awesome sounding? Could you imagine if it was just Jeff beating on the drums as Jeremiah was belting out? Listen, Jeremiah's good, but he ain't that good. 
And all of a sudden, you throw all these. <laughs> I'm bragging on him earlier. I was telling him how amazing this was. I said, man, he's so anointed this morning. Um, so it's okay for me to joke around with him now. You know, but man, you put everything together. It's like, wow. That's the church, ladies and gentlemen. All of a sudden, you put everything together. Every piece, every person doing their part. Man, the youth and the children and the adults and the small groups and the tech and the worship and the outreach and the ushers and the greeters and the parking lot. and Man, me just sitting next to somebody and loving on them. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. What's happening? It's the church. It's church. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Listen to me. The church, man, is the greatest thing happening on the planet today. And it's a place of hope, it's a place of salvation, it's a place of restoration, it's a place of healing, it's a place of redemption, and it's a place of provision, it's a place of the possible. It's the church, we come together. Lastly, so what, what am I able to do? You're able to give financially. You're able to give financially. We're gonna break all this down over the next couple, you're able to give financially. Your financial giving makes an absolute impact. Your tithe, your offering, going above and beyond. And as much as I want you to attend, as much as I want you to invite, as much as I want you to serve, I want you to give. Listen to me, we're gonna be here. We have enough resources to maintain and be here. But I'm not about maintaining. I'm not about just being here. Man, we got plans, ladies and gentlemen. Man, we wanna turn that gym into a, into a youth center. We want to turn the upstairs into a tutoring facility so, so kids aren't caught up in the Nile, so that kids aren't caught up in the river, so that kids have a place after school they can come to and, and aren't getting help at home. They can get help here. They can get help with their homework, and they can get the tutoring and the education, and we can help advance them, and then they can hang out, and they have a youth center that they can hang out and be with their friends in a safe environment. But guess what? We can't get there without finances. I want to have a cafe Right there, not just on Sunday morning. See, when I say cafe, some of you are like, yes, I want to come to church and get my muffin and get my coffee. No, I'm not talking, I'm talking about a full-blown cafe. I'm talking about open seven days a week, operating, having, having staff, having people working at getting paid. So now we have created revenue and now we have created a place for, for someone that we met like yesterday who strung out on heroin and strung out on meth and all of a sudden we get him whole and we get him healed and Jesus is in the life and he needs a job, we can now give him a job. Hey, he liked hanging out at the church, why not give him a job working at the church? Don't, don't be small-minded. Where's your passion at? What can we do with a little involvement? What can we do with a little giving? What can we do? Man, God gave us three acres and 25,000 square feet. What can we do to reach people? And you think this is enough? No, 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 no. No, God's been speaking to me for decades about the property we're gonna own up in like Valley Center or Julian as a recovery center. So we're meeting these people here. We say, hey man, we got a place for you. Let me drive you there right now. but we need giving. So what can I do, Pastor? Man, let your passion rise and find yourself coming. Some of you are like, every Sunday? Yes, every Sunday. Bringing somebody? Yeah, to the best of your ability. Hey, listen, it's not on you to bring anybody. It's on you to invite somebody. You just invite. Serve, like on a team? Like actually like doing something, yeah. We got stuff behind the scenes, we got stuff on stage, we got stuff. You'll find purpose, and you'll find fulfillment. And you'll be like, wow, this is, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? Giving financially. Listen to me, what you're gonna discover when you give financially not only blesses you, but blesses God's house. Malachi 3, 9 and 10, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. Tests me now to see if I won't open up the windows over, he says, my house. That's the church. And pour out great blessings. This is the place I want to get. Let me give you this and we're done. Exodus 36, such a great passage as they're building again. 
the temple and all the money's coming in to build it. And Moses, the little baby floating on the Nile, raised above because of the church, because of a passionate mama. Moses looks at the people and says, guys, stop giving. We've got too much. Whoa. I'll be honest with you. Haven't experienced that yet as a pastor. How great would it be the day I get up here and says, church, stop giving. We've created so many forms of revenue that we got so much money coming in. Buildings paid off. Youth center started. We got the property up in, 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 you know, up in the mountains. We got, man, this is, wouldn't that be amazing? Because then guess what we can do? We can take that money and say, what church in our city needs it? Just like we did last week planting more churches. We start looking for church plan. None of the money that's coming in is even coming to Canvas. We're just like, hey, who can we plant? Hey, what's your name? Billy? Awesome. You want to start a church? Oh, you don't know Jesus yet? That's okay. Come on, your testimony's in motion. Come on. Are you with me today, church? Come on. I believe that as our passion rises for the house, and we become passionate about and get involved in what God's doing, come on, incredible things are going to happen. God, we thank you so much for your work. God, we thank you for what you're doing here at Canvas Church. God, thank you for giving me, Lord, the opportunity, Lord, to pastor this community. And God, I pray that today, Lord, that our passion as we leave this place would come to a, a new level. I pray that my passion would come to a new level. And I pray that as our passion collides, we would create an ark. We would create a church that helps, Lord God, raise people up out of the destruction of their culture and gets them to the purpose and the plan that you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.